In Psalms chapter 105, we see great glory given unto the Lord with a list of things that the God of heaven did for the children of Israel. But before that, we see a variety of things that the man of God is imploring for God's children to do. He gives them great exhortations and instructions on what to do unto the Lord and for the Lord because God has so greatly demonstrated his love and care and provided such blessings for them. We invite you to join us today to hear how we can glean from the musings from the man of God. Psalms 105, verse number one, the Bible says this. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O ye seed of Abraham his servant, ye children of Jacob his chosen, he is the Lord our God. His judgments or in all the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity, God, that you have allotted each and every soul come unto your house. And God, it's all in vain unless we open our hearts to what you have for us. Lord, I need you. I need you, God, not to, not to let this people see me be distracted by my faults, my frailties, my stuttering, or whatever it may be. God, I need them to see you. God, I ask you, Lord, that you look down upon each heart that's here. You know the status of each heart. You know what they're meditating upon. You know what they're thinking about. You know where they are at intimately and God I pray Lord that you give them the good sense just to open their hearts unto you and God speak unto those hearts today God if there are souls here that don't know you as Lord and Savior if there are souls here that have never experienced the salvation in which you have provided God I pray Lord that they put their trust in Jesus today God, for all of those that have done so, God, we need you. We need to draw nigh unto you. We need to do your work and your will upon this earth. And God, I pray, Lord, you reveal unto us, not where we supposed to be, not where we plan to be, not where we intend to be, but where we're at. God, I pray, Lord, you give us the wisdom to be where you'd have us to be. Bless this time, bless this message, bless this people, I pray for it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. You may be seated. This psalm. Now I just read the first seven verses of 45. This psalm is a wonderful exhortation. 
and instruction and praise uh, from this psalmist who most likely anyway was King David. David, as you know, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. Acts 13.22 says, And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Now, does that mean he was sinless or was he perfect? Absolutely not. It does not say I have raised up a God after God's own heart. It says I have raised up a man after God's own heart. And so David was not perfect. Of course, David was in his flesh just like you and I. You and I are not perfect. Amen? I don't care what your imagination tells you. You are not perfect, nor am I. But thank God we don't have to be perfect to have close communion with God. And so, whether it was David or whether it was, and it really is irrelevant, the psalmist here was obviously a man of God. As I looked at this scripture, and I, I analyzed this, this scripture, and I studied on this scripture, I couldn't exactly figure out how to categorize. What is this man saying? What is this, what's the kind of the general theme? And, and, and so it just kind of seemed several things, and then the Lord just kind of showed me how to categorize. And the, and the best way I could do it is this, and that was musings from the man of God. Musings from the man of God. That word musings, it means this. It means meditation or a uh, period of reflection or thought. Because as we'll see, there's several things. I mean, he's speaking of things internally. He's speaking of things externally. He's, things, he's speaking of things to do. He's, he's speaking of actions to... Um, and so several different things there. So I'm going to speak about musings from the man of God, but it's important to understand who this message is directed to. This message is, is directed to children of God. Right? That is who this message is focused upon in Scripture and what I am going to give you today. And I want you to understand emphatically that being a person does not make you a child of God. Simply being born does not make you a child of God. Jesus told Nicodemus you must be born again. And so when you are born again into the spiritual then you become a child of God, and whereby we can cry out, Abba, Father. Now, I had made mention at the onset of this service, speaking about the role is called up yonder, I'll be there. The songwriter was able to say that and, and didn't leave any, any room for error. He said, when the role is called up yonder, I'll be there. And, and I, want, I said then, and I'll say it again now, when the role is called up yonder, I'll be there. And I know that, and I know that, and the Bible tells us that we can know that. And if we can know that we are born again, certainly we can know that we are not. Okay? You see, I know that I have been born again. The Bible tells us, 1 John 5, 12, So he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Verse number 13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the only begotten Son, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. 
And so you know how I know that I have eternal life? Because I believed in the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ, for my salvation. He died for my sins. He rose again for my justification. And I simply put my faith in the finished work of Christ upon the cross of Calvary. If you have not done that, you're lost and you're on your way to a devil's hell. I encourage you to get that right today. I encourage you to get that right today. And so, musings from the man of God. Some of the things that he, he is just pondering on, meditating on, and uh, employing others to do the same. We see, number one, exhortations of the man of God. Exhortations of the man of God. Webster's defines that word exhortations as this, the act of inciting to laudable deeds. Incitement to that which is good or commendable. Language intended to incite and encourage, advise, uh, counsel, admonition. This definition in here, this Greek word is to address or communication emphatically urging someone to do something. And so exhortations, what is he encouraging? What is he exhortating? What is it that he is um, lauding others to do. Well, number one, we see it in verse number one, and that is to give thanks unto the Lord. Verse number one, it says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. The Bible tells us in Psalm 92, one, it says, uh, a psalm for, uh, or song for the Sabbath day, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And so it is a good thing to give thanks, and in everything we should give thanks. You believe that, church? Listen, it's a good thing to give thanks. Why is that? Why is it? Well, it serves two purposes. Number one, it acknowledges Him. How many of you ever done something... And uh, whoever you done it for, whoever was the beneficiary, whatever happened there, they uh, failed to give you thanks for it. Anybody? Right? How does that make you feel? Now imagine God, who not only did something, He did everything. Right? He deserves thanks. And so when we give Him thanks, we are acknowledging Him, but we're not only acknowledging Him, we are abasing ourselves. We are humbling ourselves. We are not trying to take the credit for it. We are giving Him all of the credit, and therefore by proxy, we are humbling ourselves. Both of those things are good. It's good to exalt Him, and it's good to abase ourselves. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 16, 18, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 22, 4, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Paul said in his message to Athens, he was talking about this God, this creator God. He said in verse number 22, or excuse me, 24 of chapter 17, he said, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath delivered, or excuse me, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. He'd go on to say, For in him 
we live and we move and have our being, as certain as also your poets have said, for we are his offspring. Church, listen, I'm talking again to the children of God. If you've been born again, say amen. amen. If you've not, you better get that right. We ought to be a thanksgiving people. And we ought to be a thanksgiving people in times when there's not turkey sitting on the table. Amen. amen. We ought to be thanksgiving. We ought to give thanks always at all times. Why? Why? Because every good gift cometh from the Father of lies. So we should give thanks, and he's, he's exhorting them to give thanks, but then he also exhorts them to call upon his name. Verse number one again, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Why is he exhorting them to call upon his name? You ever thought about that? He says, call upon his name. Why? Well, obvious. God wants to help his children. Parents, how many of you, how many of you don't want to help your child? Anybody? Exactly. And we're fallible. God desires to help his children. He wants to help his children. He's willing to help his children. He's able to help his children. Thank God he will help his children. And so we should call upon the name of the Lord. Psalm 59, uh, 50 and 9 says this, I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine in the fullness thereof. Uh, verse number 14, he says, Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify. I mean, the psalmist is exhorting him to call upon the name of the Lord because there's help there. There's help there. I'll speak a little more about this in a minute. We see him exhorting to call upon the name of the Lord. He's exalting, he's exhorting them to give thanks. And then we see also in verse number one, he's exhorting them to make known his deeds among the people to make known his deeds among the people. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. Now, right now, many of you are saying this. You're saying, preacher, I was okay with giving thanks. I was okay with calling upon his name. But this whole making known his deeds among the people, that's not my gift. Right? Now, thank you. <laughs> I got somebody honest that's going to verbalize what many of you are thinking. What do you mean make known his deeds among the people? That is, listen, that is not something that is isolated, and that's not a gift. Let me tell you what he didn't say. He didn't say in verse number one, give thanks those of you who have something to be thankful for. He did not say, call upon his name those of you who could use his help. And he did not say, make known his deeds those of you who have been given the gift of testimony. Why didn't he say any of those things? Number one, because everyone has something, has something to give thanks for. Everyone has a need of him. And everyone can make known his deeds and what God has done for them. Psalms 107.1 says this, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand 
of the enemy. If I had to guess, if I had to guess, many of you on many a Sunday, God has prompted you to give testimony, and you've held it in for whatever reason, whether it be pride, uh, whether it be fear, you've held it in to your detriment and to the detriment of His glory. He says to give thanks. Let me ask you this. How many of you were blessed by what Miss Jennifer said this morning? Hey, man, that was a blessing. It was a help to the people, and it glorified God. And why do you think he says give thanks? Why? Because it's a help to the people, and it glorifies him. Listen, church, has God done anything for you? If he's done something for you, it's worthy to mention. Amen. So we see, we see the exhortations in which he is, he is saying here. He tells them to give thanks. He tells them to call upon them. He says, make his deeds known. And then uh, this next one's going to get you to verse number one. He says, sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Time and time and time and time again throughout Scripture, God is exhorting the Christians, or the, those His children, to sing unto Him. Singing is a form of worship, church. I hope you understand it. Psalms 81.1 says, Sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Psalms 95.1 says, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto Him with Psalms, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Paul and Silas gives us this example. Man, they're locked up in prison. They, they've been beaten. They've, they've been put in the inner prison. And it says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now, some of you just like you're, 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 you said, well, that's not my, that's not my gift to uh, give thanks. Or probably saying, well, it's not my gift to sing either. And uh, it's, there's no denying the fact that to our ears, some have a better ability of pitch and a better ability of uh, understanding that. You know, some, some are more capable singers physically than others. Would you all agree with that? But the Bible does not say, sing all of you who were able to carry a tune. Does it? It says, sing and make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It is a form of worship. Just as some might sing better than others, some might be able to give testimony better than others, some might be able to witness better than others, some might be able to teach or preach better than others in that physical sense. Listen, God uses all kinds. God gets glory from all of it. So he's exhorting you to sing. Sing. Amen. Singing does the heart good. If that wasn't the case, you wouldn't be singing in the shower. Amen? Most all y'all are doing that. 
sing unto him. And so these are some exhortations. These are this man of God. He's, he's saying, listen, give thanks unto God. Call upon his name. Um, sing unto him. Make known his deeds. These, these are exhortations he is giving unto the people. Some of the musings of this man of God. We see the exhortations next. We see the meditations. The meditations of the man of God. These are that kind of the continual thoughts, the things he is, he is stewing on, the things that he is uh, basking in, if you will. We see in verse number three, the first one is glory in his holy name. Glory in his holy name. Listen, we ought to meditate upon that for a little bit. What does that mean, preacher? I'm glad you asked. Let me give you the definition for that uh, Hebrew word there. Spoken glory. It says this, to be clear, to shine, hence to make a show, to boast, and thus to be clamorously foolish, to rave causatively, to celebrate, also to uh, stultify, to make boast, to celebrate, to commend, to foolishly glo give glory, to give light, uh, to uh, be mad against, to give in marriage, to sing, be worthy of praise, rage, renown, shine. And so what, what is it saying? It says your glory is to make a show, to commend, to, to boast. That ought to be the way we are meditating about the things of God. That is the way we ought to treat God. That is how we ought to think of God. Not to boast in ourselves, not to glory in ourselves, but to glory in Him. To glory in Him. What does that mean? To shine about His holy name. To make a show of His holy name. To boast His holy name. To rave about His holy name. To celebrate His holy name. To commend His holy name. To praise His holy name. And so the psalmist is, is just continuing to make glory the name of God. You know what would be good for you, church? Just to glory in His name. Just to meditate upon who He is, what He's done. And man, just stew on that for a little bit. And you start to realize, and all the problems that you face in your life, all the things that you face in your life, all the issues that you face in life, man, when you start glorying in His name, you make God grand, and you make everything compared small. So it affects your, mind, your mindset. It affects your outlook. You see, it's glory in His name. And once you glory in His name, we see also in verse number 3, it says, Glory in His holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. David said in Psalm 63, 6, he said, When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. We should uh, do our best to continually just glory in his name, to magnify his name, to meditate upon his name. You know what that will bring you, church? If you know him, it'll bring you joy. If you don't know him, it'll bring fear. But prayerfully, that fear will lead you to the wisdom of turning and trusting in him. That way, then you can glory in his name. I rejoice today. 
because I am anything, I am but dung. Stop. You weren't here Wednesday, you don't get that. That's all right. I am nothing, but thank God He is everything. And I have a relationship with Him. I have a relationship. I have a close relationship with Him. He's not my third cousin removed by marriage. Right? He is my Father. And I am His Son. And so I have a close relationship with Him. When I think about him and what he has done and what he's able to do, man, I can glory in his name. And because I can glory in his name, man, I will rejoice. And so we see the musings of this man of God. We see the exhortations of this man of God. We see his meditations, what it is he is thinking about, what it is he is, he is uh, meditating upon and exhorting others to do so. Next, I want to look at the habitations of this man. What is his foundation? Where is it he's settled what is his habitation? I believe we see it in verse number 4 there. It says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. So we see number 1, where he's settled, what he's founded upon, he is seeking the Lord. I'm so glad God loves me. I am so thankful that he loved me enough to send his only begotten son 2,000 years ago to be beaten, smitten, hung upon a cross. I'm so glad that at any, at any point in time, in, 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 at any instance, from the garden to the grave, Jesus could have said, it is enough. I've had enough of this, and he could have stopped it. I'm so glad he didn't until it was finished. And I'm so glad that... 19 years ago, he, he pricked my heart. He spoke to my heart. And that's, that's all I, I asked. I asked you at the beginning of this message. I said, look, just, just ask God to speak to your heart. Well, God did that for me. God spoke to my heart. He showed me that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. He showed me that if I would just simply believe in Him, that I could have everlasting life. I could have His life eternal that, that, that's offered unto whosoever. And I'm so glad that, man, 19 years ago I put my faith in Him. I was born into the family of God. And whenever I leave this earth, be it today or 20 years from now, man, I'm going to heaven when I die. And I'll be there forevermore. There'll be no sickness there. There'll be no sorrow. And, and, and I'm so glad for that. If you've experienced that, say amen. Ain't that good? But I want you to know something, church. There's more to God to know than just that. There is so much more about God to know. There is so much more of, of an understanding that we can gain from him. And so this man's habitation, this man of God, what he is musing about, he's, he says, seek the Lord. We ought to seek him. Man, you can find God's salvation plan from Genesis to Revelation. Thank God for that. But there's so much more about this God to know. We can learn about his self-existence, his transcendentness, his, uh, his eternal state, his, his, he's omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. His love is greater than anyone's ever known, and his grace is greater than anyone's ever known. Amen? We can, we can learn more about his forgiveness. Uh, his faithfulness is like no other. Man, there is no one like unto him. 
I told you last last week, man, I, I'm still learning more about my wife. Still learning more about my wife. I love my wife. And I love her more dearly each day. And, and the same, you can experience the same with God. You can experience the same with God. Say it one more time, you can experience the same with God. There is so much more to know, so much more to love. He, he says, that, man, seek the Lord. But not only that, he says, seek the Lord. He goes, and his strength. Seeking his help. Now, my wife reminded me of something this week. Uh, I was aggravated about something. I was ill and I was upset. And she said to me this, she says, isn't God big enough? I hate it when she's right. <laughs> but she was. He is. Sometimes we, we forget that. Sometimes we, we fall into kind of the old ways, and, and, and instead of seeking his strength, we look to our own. Instead of seeking his help, we look to our own. And so what the psalmist is doing, he said, man, don't, don't, don't just seek to know him, man. Seek his help. He is able. Amen? And so habitations, that's where we ought to, that's where we ought to set our foundation, man. Seeking the Lord. Seeking his strength. Uh, the Bible tells us in Psalms 73, 26, it says, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 84, 5 says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee and whose heart are the ways of them. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, And he said unto them, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Our habitation, our foundation should be seeking His strength, seeking His uh, seeking the Lord, seeking to know more about Him, seeking His strength, uh, petitioning for His help. And then lastly here, you see in verse number 4, seeking His face forevermore. Um, seeking His fellowship. Let me say this, and it's uh, nothing new, and that is who you surround yourself with largely determine what your life end up being. Right? Surround yourself with bad friends, bad people, you'll end up with uh, a bad future. Surround yourself with good friends, good people, you'll, you'll most likely have a good future. Listen, surround yourself with God, and you'll have a godly future. And so, we ought to fellowship with God. We ought to fellowship with God. We ought to seek that fellowship, and it can be found, and it's found so easy and so simply. We can fellowship with Him in His Word. We can fellowship with Him in prayer. And I promise if you do that, and if you make a habit of that, if, you, if that is your habitation, you're seeking His face, you're seeking His strength, you're seeking to know more about Him, you will be better for it. You'll be blessed by it. So, we see 
the exhortations of this man of God. We see the habitation. Uh, we see the meditations. And then lastly, lastly here, I want to see the motivations. Why is he the way he is? What is prompting him to do these things? Why is it he is saying, give thanks unto the Lord? Why is it he's saying, call upon the name? Why is it he's saying, do this? Why is he? We're looking at his motivations. What motivates this man uh, to do these very things? We find it starting in verse number 5. That first word, man. Remember. 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 Number one, it says, remember his marvelous works. I had made mention, uh, might have been during Sunday school or this morning, and I'd simply ask this question, has God done anything for you? Hey Amen, he has me. He's done something for me. And so the psalmist, is, he's, he's exhorting them. He says, remember his marvelous works. Remember what he's done. In fact, if you were to, to go through the rest of this psalm, which we did not read for sake of time, but if you were to go through the rest of this psalm, it is exhorting all the things, and not even all the things, but many of the things that God had done for his people when he brought them up out of Egypt. Now, many of you don't know me, but I'm telling you, 19 years ago, I was a different man. 30 years ago, I was much different. God made a change in me. The past is a promise. You know, we can look back and see what God has done and rest in the fact of what God will do. In our Sunday school lesson, God told Moses, he said, man, these are the things you're going to teach your children. We see it listed out in this psalm. I just want to go over a few of them there. He reminds them in verse number 8 that he made an everlasting covenant with them. Verses 17 through 21 that he used Joseph to secure and to sustain his people. Then he sent Moses to free his people. And then it lists out some of the plagues that God had brought upon the land of Egypt. He sent darkness in verse number 28. He turned the water into blood, verse number 29. He brought the hell and the fire down in verse number 32. He smote the firstborn in verse number 36. He uh, brought them out rich in verse number 37. He fed them with bread from heaven, verse number 40, and water from the rock. And so if you'll just remember all of the things when God did for you. And I I'd mentioned that God brought me out of Egypt 19 years ago, put me through the wilderness, and, uh, you know, thank God, I, I, I pray, I believe, I am, I am in Canaan's land today. I'm where God wants me. That's a good feeling to have. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. But neither was David. Neither was David. I'm telling you, church, Christian, you can have a closer relationship unto God if you'll follow these exhortations, the musings of this man of God. He says, remember his works. He says, remember his wonders. And uh, that's simply this, and that the God that did still does. Amen. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly and above all things that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. So what, what motivates the man of God is this, man. He, he's motivated by remembering the works of God. He's, remember, he's motivated by the wonders 
of what he has. And the same God that did all those miraculous things some 4,000 years ago and, and, and prior to that and after that is the same God that we serve today. And his arm has not shortened where he cannot save. He's still the same God and he still has the same ability. He says, remember his works, man, remember his wonders. Another motivation, remember his ways. Remember his marvelous works, verse number five, uh, that he hath done his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. You, you know what ought to motivate you, church? You know what ought to motivate you? The fact that you're going to stand before a holy God one day. And he's just in all of his dealings, in all of his doings. He, he's a just God. If you stand before him in your sin, you're going to get exactly what you deserve, and that is punished for your sin. If you stand before him with the blood of Christ that has cleansed you, you're going to stand before him without sin. Amen, because Jesus took it and nailed it to his cross. And thank God I'm not going to bear the punishment for my sins. But as a Christian, I'm still going to stand before Jesus. And all the things in which he's given me, all the talents, all the blessings, all the opportunities, all the things that he's given me, I will be judged at that time. And so will you. That ought to motivate us. Amen. That ought to motivate us. To know that you will stand before not, not, one, not a judge that's man, has faults, things of that nature, but man, you're going to stand before a holy and righteous God. 2 Corinthians 5.10 tells us that. It says, For we must all, speaking to the church, appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. It's an inescapable fact, church, that we'll all stand before God one day. Don't say you haven't been warned. Don't say you, you don't know because you have just been warned if you haven't prior to. And you do know, as a Christian even, we will stand before God. I'll not be cast into hell for my sins because that's been paid for. But man, I will give answer to all the talents and things in which he's given me. Motivations for the man of God to remember his works, to remember his wonders, to remember his ways. And then lastly, verse number 7, and that is simply to remember who he is. Verse number 7 says this, He is the Lord our God. He is the Lord our God. Now, I've asked you, and I'm going to ask you one more time. How many of you have been born again? Say amen. How many of you know that you've got a home in heaven when you die? Say amen. How many of you, your sins have been forgiven by putting your trust in Jesus Christ? Say amen. He is the Lord our God. Amen. He is our God. And we just need to remember that. Our God has expectations. Our God is holy. Our God loves us. Our God gives us the very breath that we have to do the things in which we do. So that ought to motivate us to know that He is our God. He's my God. Man, I hope He's yours. If He's not, that can be settled today. That can be settled today. If He's not, and like I said, just as you know and I know that I've been born again, you know. You know if He's not. You know that, you, you know simply if you know of him, but not have put your trust in him, because there is a difference. There's a big difference to, to know there's a God and to put your trust in that God. There's a big difference. You know where you stand. 
You know because the Holy Spirit of God will reveal it unto you. He's probably doing that this very moment. And so you know where you stand. And whether, whether you're lost or whether you're saved, you've got decisions to make today. If you're lost today, man, you've got to decide whether you're going to continue in that state or whether you're going to get it right today. If you've been born again, you've got the decision to make whether you're going to follow the exhortations and the musings of the man of God who is, who is giving these things for our benefit, is trying to uh, push us in the right direction. Either you're going to listen to that or you're going to continue down the things and do the things you've been doing. So I've given you what I believe God has given me. What will you do with it?